Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 163. I'm your host, Klaus Nightbringer, and joining me today, why did it do that again, is Sarah Timono. Sarah, how are you, buddy? Just to be clear, why did it do that again is not like the cat slogan or catch line for me, is no, it? No, 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 no. It's um, the cameras were just a little bit off. They weren't in the frames properly, so I had to adjust the size of the Discord window. Got it, because that would have been uncomfortably plausible. Anyways, <laughs> hi, I exist. I'm doing okay. How have you been since the last episode, which wasn't quite two weeks ago? Huh. Um, I am cat sitting again. Uh in-person library programs have started up and they have been nice but also tiring uh i have been wanting to try running savages but just haven't had the brain space and felt bad about it for a little bit before i realized it was stupid to feel bad about that and now i don't yeah because why? that that said spender said he's just about to clear p3s he is like getting to the last phase at this point Ooh, that's pretty cool and sending me lots of memes about spicy chicken <laughs> what about the chicken tenders are they ready to nope, try? It's, it's spicy chicken when you're in P3S. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Oh, how about you? How are things? Well, this was probably the busiest uh, couple of weeks that I've had in a long time. You know, with things kind of coming back to normal. Um, I went to a convention! <laughs> and you are, do not appear to have con crud. No. Well done. Nor did I get COVID. So, um, thank you very much to the uh, Anime Detour uh, crew for putting on an amazing convention um, that was held this last weekend in uh, Minneapolis. Um, the big thing with that was they kept their, uh, their COVID-19 guidelines up where you had to either have a um, negative test taken, done by a, a clin uh, in a clinical setting. So, you had to go to like a... Um, like a either a hospital clinic, or I think they probably would have accepted like a pharmacy as long as it was done by a trained professor, somebody trained in, in doing that kind of stuff versus the at home ones. Or you and have, I'm guessing, oh, oh, keep going. or you have your, uh, your, um, immunization card and masks were required in all areas of the con. And I'm guessing people were just a little more conscious of like general cleanliness and whatnot. Yes. Um, one of the things, I mean, we made sure to keep, you know, clean and hydrated. We, I brought, um, lots of hand sanitizer. We had N95 masks. We had, um, vitamin C, vitamin D, you know, we were, and we were making sure to get plenty of rest as well, even though we were kind of stupid on the last night and we're a little bit crazy, but <laughs> Hey, if people can go to conventions without being debilitated afterwards, I am all for that. Yes. As long oh, as and seven deadly smart. streamers is reminding us that you got to cosplay a bit too. Oh yes, I did. Um, I actually got to break out my two new cosplays that I had from two years ago. Thank God they still fit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, um, if you want to join our discord, let me actually pop, do I, you know what? I need to pop that open before I can put the links in there. Um, where did it go? There it is. Um, our, uh, in our pictures uh, channel, I actually posted, I didn't get many pictures of my cosplay this year, which is fine. Uh, I have a few that'll be coming. Um, I, I went to the actual photography area and had a, a professional photographer take the pictures and he's got to go through Ooh. everything. So, um, but I, I got to do my Maze Hughes, 
So I posted a picture of that in the pictures. I also did um, Sarutobi Asuma from Naruto. Mm -hmm. Of course, I had to do Kakashi. You know, got to do Kakashi Sensei. Um, and also, I ended up doing um, Urahara as well because I because why not? Did not get to do, do Red Mage this year because well, the one I had commissioned did not quite make it yet, which is fine. I would rather have it done right than have it done fast. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Actually, now I think I can... Fast, right, cheap, choose two. In some cases, choose one. There we go. Now I'm putting in the right links and stuff, so... I keep forgetting to turn on chatbot, so... Mm-hmm. Chatbot, we love you. Yes, chatbot is back now, so... Um, and then also on Friday night, um, last Friday night, was the uh, a distant... Or no, a New World concert. Uh, in St. Paul. Mm. So it's the third year that I've been able to go. Got to meet uh, Crispy, one of the uh, our, our listeners, and his wife. We had a very lovely uh, dinner at uh, a restaurant called uh, Grey Duck Tavern. Uh, those from Minnesota, you get it. Other people, they're like, what? I, I know this because I went to college with uh, someone from Minnesota, and she explained the whole thing. Yes. It's still weird, but... It's Grey Duck, not Goose. They play duck, duck, gray duck. I, no one quite knows because know it's the correct knows. way of doing it. That's why. <laughs> Very Minnesota themed, um, farm to table style restaurant. Very good food. The burgers are excellent, um, mm. and they had really good onion rings. Um, and then the show, the show was amazing. They actually uh, performed new music. They, they had some new arrangements of, of a few songs. Hopefully that means they're going to be coming out with a third disc of uh, of of music soon. So hopefully look forward to that. But other than that, it was just an amazing weekend to be around people, to hang out with my sister and and two of her friends. It was their first con, and they got to spend it in a VIP suite. That was pretty nice. fucking epic. But. It is still weird to think about just how many of the introverts are suddenly excited to be around people for once. And now we don't want to do it again for like months. I mean, yeah. Because I, I and I was talking about this today with my tattoo artist is like, you know, we had, I, I enjoyed going. It was great to be around all these people, but I don't want to people again because <laughs> it drains me. It, it literally drains me. I get so tired after, you know, dealing with a bunch of people that it's like, do I really want to do this? But it, it, it is fun, and I, and I did miss it, and I enjoyed my time there. In fact, next year, I've already signed up for next year, and I'm going VIP for, to the con itself, not the room. Because as awesome as that room was, it, it, what, it didn't justify the price. It was a little spendy, but... As always, housing is overly expensive. I'm, I am glad we did it, though, because the, the experience itself was, was well worth it. So if you ever have the opportunity to, to do something like that and, and just go baller on something like that, even if it's just once in your life, just do it. Yeah. Provided it doesn't put you into hawk for the next five years. Um, and yes, I did mention I was talking about tattoo artists today. Um, if you check the pictures channel over there in our Discord as well, you will see my new dragon tattoo. I am the Klaus with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> oh dear, is this going to become an entire series? Uh, no. Okay. 
No, we're not. We're not going to write a whole series of books on Klaus with the dragon tattoo or Klaus with the uh, the, the the I don't know what um, the, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't know where I was going with that. This. Neither do I. All I know is it was uh, one in a series of books written by a uh, Scandinavian author, and it became movies, and it was a thing. So that's all I really know about it, and we'll let the joke die there. <laughs> But uh, my leg is currently throbbing, but it turned out amazing. And now I have two really awesome tattoos that are a part of a themed piece of uh, uh, Death and Rebirth. You know, the, the whole story of the dragon and the phoenix. So there. Symbolic. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think that covers what I did since the last episode. So let's go into a little bit of gaming community news, starting with... Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin had a very slow start in Japan, as well as there are a number of issues with the uh, PC version. So let me copy and paste this into the chat. And thank you to Video Game Chronicle for this information. Uh, apparently, uh, Stranger of Paradise had the fourth lowest first week physical sales for a Final Fantasy game in Japan. I mean, mm. even Dissidia NT had almost three times the sales. Oof. This does not include any type of digital sales, or I believe this is just for uh, physical PS4 and PS5 sales, but it sold under 50,000 for its first week in Japan. Well, I'm kind of wondering what the three lo uh, lower ones are, but that's still not great. In the article, I, I can bring that up here, it is actually... Um, Final Fantasy Fables Chocobo's Dungeon, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles The Crystal Bearers, and Final Fantasy Fables Chocobo Tales. Ouch. Yes. Well, I did like the Final Fantasy Fables Chocobo Tales, but it also seemed like something that never really caught on. No. Oh, and that's just sales in Japan, but still. Yes. Um, apparently it actually was number eight in the UK. But uh, that it wasn't, it didn't have overly high numbers. And apparently the uh, PC version is suffering from a number of uh, performance issues as well. Um, somebody was mentioning in, in one of the articles that I was reading that like the, uh, the character model for the bat has like 300,000 polygons or something, some insane number. Uh, it, it's kind of reminding me of Final Fantasy XIV 1.0. I was just thinking about that, where you had like that platter that had just as many polygons as a full-on person. Yeah, that's this, this bat is basically in the same position as as that right now, and I guess and a lot of the same performance issues as a result. I'm guessing, and, and apparently the the hair game is very strong in 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 the PC ports because if you get like characters with hair, you know any any type of decent hair in in frame, it it'll drop you to like. 10 frames per second, and that's coming from somebody who had a uh, 3080. I do remember seeing someone uh, commenting about or suggesting a bald mod for the characters yep. for performance reasons. Yep. That Ugh. is a thing. That is legitimately a thing. In order to improve the frame rates, um, they, they made everybody bald. And, uh, well... Hopefully... Normally they don't make the same mistake twice, so this is a little disappointing. Well, a lot of this was done by Team Ninja, so um, there was probably just some issues with the the porting and um, um, what's the word I want here? Um, 
meh. I, I won't think of it right now. Um, eh. <laughs> you ever have one of those days you just can't brain? We call them weekdays. Yeah, or for me, the uh, days that end in Y. Oh. <laughs> um, tell ya, hopefully it's something where they... It's still weird to me to have an idea of, like, a game has a poor release. Okay, it'll get patched, like, for yeah. console games. That's still weird to me, which may just be showing my age on that, but hopefully they can at least get uh, get some improvements on it. Uh, Optimization, that's the word I was thinking of. Mm. Um, and I am probably going to pick it up still, but it is uh, one that I'm going to wait until the performance issues have been dealt with. I don't want my poor 3090 to burst into flames trying to render Astos's hair. Same. <laughs> like, I'd like to try it out at some point, but given these issues, I've got enough other stuff in the queue. It, it can wait a bit. Yeah, like Chocobo GP. <sighs> hey, Chili. Hello, Chili. Welcome to the stream. Um, but yeah, so that's a little bit of Stranger of Paradise news. And then also Final Fantasy XIV Live Letter 70 uh, is scheduled for April Fool's Day. So I wonder how many jokes we're going to get in that. Yeah, like they're the uh, stuff they post to the developer's blog is usually pretty entertaining, even if some of them end up becoming reality later on. Like Lords of Arminian. <laughs> Uh, or apparently that uh, a high school alternate universe they are actually working on a manga for now. Yes, they are, which is hilarious. So I want to know when they're going to actually uh, bring out oh. the uh, the Chocobo uh, um, taxi system. Uh, uh, I, I want the system where we get to date Garuda. And, and uh, uh, Ravenheart, no, uh, neither one of us have started Stranger of Paradise yet. We were just talking about how the PC version has a lot of issues that need to be dealt with first, at least before and I And in it. general, the physical sales in Japan have not been great. Yeah, so it, it's it's like like we talked about last week or last episode, it was kind of a mixed bag um, by the reviewers and it needs some love before I jump into it yet. I will get it eventually, but I want to make sure it's in a playable state. It gives me an opportunity to do more Chocobo GP, more Vampire Survivors, and stuff like that. So, There's enough stuff to do. Lots and lots of stuff. In the UK, if you do an April Fool after 12 p.m., you are considered the fool, huh? Hmm. Interesting. Huh. So it's just like a flurry of pranking in the morning, and then that's it? Apparently. Or maybe that's the joke. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, live, the live letter will um, be talking about patch 6.1 part 2, so we're going to get a little bit more information about the upcoming patch, probably a release date as well, and um, it's going to be uh, Japanese audio only, but the slides, as always, will have Japanese and English uh, on them, and you can view that live on the uh, Final Fantasy XIV Twitch channel, their YouTube channel, or on Nico Nico. They've also started updating the patch site as usual. Nothing of particular note. Some uh, mentions about the MSQ, uh, the Minstrel's Ballad of Ensinger's Aria, and the opening of the Imperium Residential District. Yep, the things they talked mostly about in the stuff last we already knew. Yeah, mostly stuff we already knew, though there were a couple screenshots that have already been turned into hilarious, hilarious memes. Of course. Um, but yeah, Good times. That it's a, been a very light week for news on that side, which is nice, which means we can get even even closer into our 
discussion topic, which were br bringing us back to Final Fantasy soundtracks. And to, I know you guys have missed them. I've missed them too. They've been, they're one of my favorite things to talk about. And with as music heavy as my last week has been, I'm glad to get back into it on the podcast. Um, like I said, I went to that uh, New World concert. I picked up two new physical uh, um, soundtracks for Final Fantasy 1 slash 2 and Final, Final, Final Fantasy 3. So I'm nice. I'm glad to have those in my collection now. But we've already done those. So today, it's Final Fantasy 10. Hmm. Now, in terms of how it ruined the Final Fantasy franchise, at least among the fans at the time, this was the first one that featured voice acting. Uh, so you would often, a lot of these uh, pieces had to be composed to deal with the fact that there might be people speaking over them, which I think affected a little bit of some of the styling of it. Uh, I think the biggest concern a lot of people had was the change from open world to a very linearly driven uh, experience. I mean, you've heard my thoughts on this. The hallway has always been there. It's just various levels of disguised. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, dungeons, you know, kind of direct you but, in a certain way. But I mean, there, even in the early yeah. games, you could go in different ways and, and get lost and have to backtrack and go around. And but, just having the general separation of an overworld map and then like the various like specific location maps. This was one where, no, you could. Uh, pretty much walk along the entirety of the path uh, from beginning to end. Uh, once you did get an airship, it more had you selecting a list of locations rather than flying freely over a map. So a bit of a difference in style there yeah. as well. Fast travel, basically. Yeah. Uh, all of this in fit, uh, keeping with the general uh, theme motif of being on a religious pilgrimage. You're not going around exploring freely, but you're progressing along a path from one uh, from one spot to another to the various stations of the pilgrimage. Yep. So, I mean, in the storyline, it it did make sense that you're not skipping ahead. You know, you're not you're not you know yeah. avoiding a particular not... um, chamber of the faith or something like that or temple. And you're not going off on some side thing or another. Like you are, it is literal. It is literally a religious pilgrimage. Well, uh, until a little later religious... on, then you can do some uh, sidetracking. Uh, only once you've like no killed the major religious figure, as one does. Mm. When you get to like the uh, um, the open area where you can chocobo race, and then you can choose the calm to... lands. Yeah, the calm lands, and you can go fight the monster arena and stuff like that. A little that, that bit. That opens up a little you, bit. But it's most it was but mostly just saying. one area where you have like a batch of side quest things. It's still it didn't really lose the feel of okay, we're still kind of progressing towards this uh, ultimate goal. All right. But that's all a little bit to the side here. Let's get into some the bit we're actually here for with the music. Well, it, the soundtrack actually starts like this. It's basically, well, that's the Japanese voice actor for Titus saying, you know, this is my story. Listen to my story. So. Yeah, th that's that the thing that we're going to see a lot throughout this game. The idea of telling my story, of telling your story, of taking all this uh, things that have happened and making a story out of it. The story of someone's life. But what most people think of when you, when you think about Final Fantasy X is... This was probably the most beautiful song to come out of a Final Fantasy game to date. 
at the, you know, when this game was released. Oh, that slow piano. The whole thing's got a little bit of a mournful feel. Definitely does. And, and, with and the it, it's supposed to. Yeah, with the voiceover of someone talking about, listen to my story, you know this is not necessarily going to be a happy story. I will say, hearing Benjamin Nuss play this live was amazing. Mm -hmm. We did it, actually get to hear this with the, uh, the, 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 the chamber orchestra on Friday night, so... I was very excited, and that's like, we have to talk about this on the next episode. Because <laughs> it works. So. Uh, yes, this piece, I believe, is called To Zanarkand. Zanarkand. Uh, a uh, major uh, location and entity uh, throughout the story, a uh, place where the main character comes from, holy site. Yep. Goal of this entire pilgrimage. Titus is home. And it's yeah, it's used as the framing device of it. Okay, uh, we, we, we should we should we should talk about this. Titus or Titus? Uh, all of the official things I've heard say Titus. That said, I always said Titus when I was playing it. I did as well. So it's going to be one of those things that's uh, going to be a hard thing to break, like you know, Rama, Ramu kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, now you would think that the whole having voice acting in it uh, would give us a definitive thing, but this was. Again, since it was the first one with voice acting, you still got to name the main character, which meant, of course, that any time they would be referring to him in spoken stuff, they would be using anything except for his name. Exactly. So, it's a habit you can see in a lot of games. Uh, those who play Genshin Impact will know how often they refer to the main character as Traveler or Honorary Knight or anything other than their name. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we never got to actually hear them say it, but you know, a, a lot of Square historians, I, uh, video game players, you know, people. I want to say, Kingdom Hearts was the one where he was like a kind of minor, a younger version was a minor character in the thing of it, and uh, they pronounced it as Titus there. Mm. I still like Titus. I'll recognize either, honestly. Yeah, I think it's it's a tomato tomato thing. Oh. But, but yes, it, the story here is used as a framing device. We come in kind of at the end of the pilgrimage as they've reached the final site for it. And it's a reflect starts as we are going to reflect on everything that has happened thus far. How did we get here? But then we go to. A very different version of Prelude. Keep at layering those elements on. Wait for it. Wait for it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a little bit to build up, but you do In get part the... because uh, we're going over like sweeping shots of a very different location. Yep. We, we are seeing Titus's version of Xanarkand. And this is kind of the introduction to gameplay and mechanics as T 
Titus slash Titus runs through his hometown on his way to the Blitzball Arena. It's kind of the the whole um, part of the like the introductory. Yeah. Uh, Huge contrast to the somber piano piece we just heard. We've got those techno elements. Uh, it feels a bit more energetic, a bit more like kind of modern. It, it does feel like somebody just broke out their Casio keyboard, though. A little bit. <laughs> but in a good way. Yeah, like it doesn't necessarily have a lot of depth to it, but it's got like a little bit of a peppy energy. Mm -hmm. Again, I think kind of this huge contrast to what we have starting out of this like fantastical, much more modern setting, which is actually going to be really important in part for establishing the huge contrast between where Titus's story starts out and where it goes. Yep. Speaking of Titus, Titus. This is Titus's theme. You may have heard it a little bit in the pre-show. This obviously plays, you know, in scenes that are very, you know, prevalent on, on you know, and heavy on, on Titus's uh, story. Um, and so after we get through the kind of the tutorial portion, then we get this theme as he's, you know, making his way further through Xanarkand and on his way, you yeah. know, to play Blitzball and get a little bit about his story. He's been established early on as a star athlete, the player of this sport, and we actually hear this piece as... Uh, playing as announcers on a TV broadcast are talking a little bit about uh, his sports career, about that of his father, uh, a little bit of like scene setting exposition for the game that he's heading towards. And so having the kind of his theme as we're giving a bit of establishment about who he is, what he's done, uh, again, that uh, paternal relationship that will also become an important element later. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Bit of scene setting there. And it's as we make our way, like a kind of country, like yeah. pastoral feel to some parts of it, which is a little bit in contrast to the whole uh, sports star in this uh, techno utopia thing. It's something that fits in a little bit more with him as we see him in later uh, scenes. But right now, it's just something slightly discordant with the setting, mm -hmm. which may have been a little intentional. But then we get this. You want to talk about Discord? <laughs> and, and not our, our, our server on Discord. Oh. This is a fight theme. Yeah. It is called Otherworld. And we'll get those deep vocals coming in in a moment. Oh. The first of uh, this first plays over uh, the Blitzball tournament done at or Blitzball game done as a uh, fully animated 
was it still called FMV at that point? It was like uh, just a CG cutscene. But oh, yeah, CG this cut is when Sin is attacking. So the first bits of it are over the Blitzball game. Uh, so you have this at first seeming to just be like, okay, this frenetic energy of this sports game, uh, this kind of brutal underwater combat. Along with the very eye-catching scene of the uh, arena being filled with water. Like, again, a lot of really fantastical elements. And then this uh, heart-pounding, really forceful thing to emphasize that sports game. And then as uh, Titus launches himself out of the water globe for his signature sphere shot, seeing the incoming attack of Sin, whereupon it takes on an entirely different tone. Yes. This also, um, an alternate version of this song plays during the boss battle against Braska's final Aeon on the PlayStation 2 releases. Yeah. The title Otherworld, of course, referring to, uh, seeming to refer, seeming to refer to <laughs> how you've got this, uh, one saying that you're in, and then this other world that you're being drawn into. I remember lines like, the other world, it hates you talking about the travails that you go through on your travels through it. And as the battle with Sin is starting to get bigger... I mean, you call it a battle, but at this point... It's, you're running. Usually you're running yeah, at this battle point. battle has one side against another. This is just a full-on natural disaster. Yeah. Force of nature. A force of sin. <laughs> Um, but at this point, we are running away from this monster that's attacking, and uh, we're with, I believe at this point, we're actually with Oron. Who <clears throat> Titus knows. The friend of his father's, and he's just kind of this weird guy that's been, you know, but hangs around Titus and, you know, watches his games and just. They, yeah, they, we're, it's implied that they know each other, but we don't really get a lot of the picture of that relationship. Yeah. But yes, this particular piece called Run, I'll, it plays during Sin's attack on Dreams Anarchand, as well as several other points in the story, usually where there's some big overwhelming threat attacking, and the uh, focus is not on standing against it, but on trying to escape from it. Some heavy shit's usually happening when this song is playing. Yeah. In this particular case, Oron uh, mentions to Titus, we called it Sin, which, of course, seems to imply that he knows a lot more about what's going on than he's let on, mm -hmm. which he continues to reinforce throughout this entire sequence. Mm -hmm. Until we get... Yeah, you got that kind of building tension. Yep. Now we switch over to a very different sound. We're not in Xanarkand anymore. This is the point where Titus is being kind of pulled into Spira. You've got again, like that kind of ethereal element to it. It's like he's, he's gone to another world. Well, this is the point where Oron is holding him up, where everything seems to be drawn into sin, which Oron seems to be including him in it. For reasons, of course. Yeah, but where there's something kind of almost strange and mystical happening, this has moved 
completely out of the bounds of the everyday, out of this technical utopia, and into this otherworldly, for lack of a better, uh, where he's being drawn into this strange monster, and it's unclear what exactly... Like, this was the point where I started thinking, okay, is this actually a monster? Is this just, like, some kind of contained wormhole portal thing? What the heck is going on here? Something strange and mystical is happening. But the name of this song is This Is Your Story. So it's it's implying that we're starting a, our own little adventure here. Something very special, very different is about to occur. I believe Oron even says that line to Titus as he's throwing him into it, that this is your story. Deal with it. <laughs> And once, we'll learn a bit more about what his deal is later on. And after we go through this one, our next major theme. Is not a Radiohead song, but they have a song by the same name. Creep. This is the theme of the ruins at the Baj Temple. Which, oh, hang on, that is. It we don't even get to learn its name until much later on. No, but like the underwater the ruins at the start when when he when he's in in this new world. You've got kind of like a little bit of the howling of the wind there. He finds himself on a structure out in the water, ancient ruined unclear what it is he's cold he's tired he's hungry you know seven deadliest streamers we could just call him titan leviabetus <laughs> instead of instead of titus you know we got titan no no we won't do that not at all but yeah it's very mysterious very confusing very ominous even ominous is the word i would use after all of that happens he's found himself again in out in the middle of nowhere actually has to swim through some bits of it i believe mm -hmm. thank god he can swim huh yeah has to uh build a fire is very concerned about like at one point we just demanding that he needs food in part because he's been through a lot like this is a type of thing that would have killed a lot of people the fact that well, he's in such great shape is probably part of how he's gotten through it but it's not safe he has to fight things and when you fight things you have to have a battle theme yep we've got our normal battle here which we'll be hearing throughout the entire game. Yep. And I like this battle theme. I can still hear in my head. Boop, 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 boop. Shit. Yep. It's You're kind mine. of a <laughs> So yes, it is kind of a standard Final Fantasy thing to have a battle theme that's got like kind of those back and forth, the surge, the stuff where you may have sound effects going throughout all bits of it. This one is a little bit different in that, uh, as you suggested, we've got voice clips playing over it. Yep. Shouts, uh, occasionally puns for some of the abilities, 
Though I do appreciate that they only had those play very sparingly, oftentimes like the first time a spell was used. Or when you're going to be uh, killing an enemy. Yeah. Like the final kill shot will generally have some sort of uh, little voice acted clip. Depending like, on who is doing it. Or like uh, Lulu would have some kind of punished comments the first time she cast various elemental spells. Well, she kind of Plus a couple other points, but if she had done it every time, that would have been the worst. But nope. So you'll have some uh, bits of, over there. Oh, we got that kind of. All right. And then it so kind, yeah, of, kind goes of back through and this forth, one. the building tension. And then it starts over again, basically at this point. Until... What would a battle be without a victory fanfare? <laughs> for, for getting all of your uh, well-earned spoils. Your guild, your grenades, and your spears. Huh. You've got your standard doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. And then the little after bit. Yep, which is... This is kind of de rigueur for the series at this point. Yep. So this It does have kind of like a nice brassy heroic feel to it. Nice and bright. But if it doesn't go so well... A harpsichord version of Sukite Dana. Sukite Dana. Sukite Dana? yeah. Sorry, I can talk today. No worries. The classical music as the game over, or classical music instruments as a game over theme is another one that's fairly standard for the series. Uh, Suteki Dane will hear much later on, though, as usual, we'll get motifs of it mixed into a bunch of other things. Yes. At least it wasn't a, a, a 20 minute uh, you know, version of it like we've seen in some of the early games. <laughs> yeah. Not 20 minutes, but still rather long versus 34 mm -hmm. seconds. So, once we get through that, those first uh, harrowing battles underwater... Well, actually, this, this hap plays when we first enter the, the temple, I guess. Ah, uh, yeah, before it's the... We're uh, swimming up to Ba's temple, picking your way it. over the statue. And it also plays when you find the Fahrenheit underwater and before fighting Seymour for the first time. So it's a very oh. ominous sounding theme. Yeah. There's a lot of ominominosity in this game. The literal uh, title of, or the Japanese title of it literally translates as No Hopes or Dreams. Uh, the English title they gave it, of course, is Out of the Frying Pan, with the implied Into the Fire. Yes, so you're kind of yeah. getting yourself into a little bit deeper what you thought. Ominous is a good term for it. I also want to call attention to the kind of like the low, like kind of shaking, like tambourine belt kind of thing. You have that as part. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's see. Wait for that to come in. Yeah, which give it a, a little bit of like again some of those religious ceremony feels which we're going to have uh coming up again and again uh that spira is a world that is very focused and very much revolves around its religious rites but yeah kind of that ominous uh the places where we uh hear it are ones where 
it's kind of like you're approaching this really great, like the altar of a god or so. It's some type of thing that is big and ominous and mysterious and has this almost like reverential air to it, but in a way that you want to be very careful of. And as Chili pointed out, as, as our protagonist Meg Ryan is uh, going about yeah. the, uh, the Abaj Temple... Poor dude has no idea what's going on. Nor does he have very much luck in this new area. He's about to get captured by people that speak a very weird language that he does not understand. This is called Leap in the Dark. And it first plays when uh, the Albed capture Meg Ryan, I mean Titus, um, as well as before some boss battles. I think we can retire that joke now. Meg Ryan? The, uh, Meg Ryan. Yes. Meg Ryan. The title uh, literally translates to Secret Maneuvers. It's another one that's got a bit of tension to it. Uh, the Secret Maneuvers in that title, or Leap in the Dark, seems to suggest a, you don't know what's going on, stuff is happening around you. Meg Ryan is scared. Oh. <laughs> that's for you, Chili. <laughs> Why do you encourage him, Chili? Because he's our bestie. We do love him. We do. But yeah, it ha the various points where it plays has some elements of like hidden or secret dangers. So after he gets captured, they uh, he they bring him up to their boat, and these there's is somebody who can talk with Titus, and uh, basically they say. You're going to help us out. You're, you're going to help us, you know, go through these ruins and, and find stuff. You, got you no don't choice. work. You don't eat. Exactly. So they go explore the underwater ruins. This first bit has an almost sonar-like quality to it. Makes sense. I mean, they're underwater. Yeah. Like, there's a melody playing on it, but it's definitely evocative of... Plays at a couple other points, all of which involve... Uh, underwater. Some type... Yeah. Some type of structure or other ancient ruin underwater. Yeah, as we're exploring the, the ruins, this this is the background backing theme for it. I mean, you'll go back and forth between battle theme and, and your victory theme, but then it comes right back to, to this again. Yeah. Yeah, besides the sonar-like pulses, you've got kind of that echoing of the deep. So once they're done with that and they go back up on the ship, Titus starts talking with the, uh, the girl who, can, who he can understand. He finds out her name is Riku. And this song plays while uh, Titus is talking with Riku about his story, how he got there. Well, he doesn't really know how he got there. The one minute he was in Xanarkand playing Blitzball, and the next minute he's, you know, swimming and, and fighting these weird underwater creatures and getting captured by people who he can't understand. Yeah. The t piece itself is called We Are All Bad. A uh, fun little pun there in that the word we is spelled O-U-I and actually ends up uh, being the Albed word for you. There's actually a bit of uh, 
confusion here when Riku, uh, while speaking to uh, Titus in English or whatever language you can understand, occasionally slips into Albed, uh, leading to talking about, it's like, we thought we were a fiend. And he's like, we? It's like, oh, we means you. <laughs> so a little bit of like playing around with that. It's a nice little song though. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a uh, warmth and friendliness to it in the midst of of this complete confusion, everything that's happening, Titus has found someone who's at least seems to understand him and is a little bit friendly. Not going to let him do what he wants, but he's at least found something, uh, like some point of stability in all of this. Yes. Until... The enemy attacks! This is the first boss uh, theme called Enemy Attack. And it's, and it's you fight the underwater like submarine kind of uh, thing that shoots out explosives and you gotta it shocks you I think at some, at some point if you're not careful. I'm trying to remember uh, all this fight but I think it's... There's a couple. That one might have been a little... There's a couple of different... I mean, it's the game's main boss theme. This is associated with a lot of stuff in my head. Yeah. Uh, but it's got those hallmarks we've seen of a lot of boss themes throughout the series. Uh, still having kind of that, like, back and forth of, like, moments of more, like, tense defense. Moments that are a bit more, like, active striking out. Amped up a little bit with more tension because it's a boss battle. That kind of like, uh, almost like choral voices, again, uh, feel like they work a little bit with the whole like, religious theming of the game. Yeah, because you're going to hear a lot of that type of uh, song in this. Yeah, it's a common element to have like, like uh, choir type voices or elements that are reminiscent of it, of like uh, singing or chanting. Again, the religious motifs are all throughout this one, in part just because of the story and setting of it. So they fight the boss, and they beat the boss, but I think, if I remember correctly, I don't remember exactly what happens, but some, Titus gets believe, knocked off the ship. Uh, I believe Sin, Sin made another appearance. Sin appeared, and I think pulled Titus off the ship or something like that. And at that point... He wakes up in a totally different place now. Bit brighter, no more stormy seas. We've got clear skies, bright sun, sandy beaches, crystal blue, crystal blue water. This song is called The Blitzers. And this first plays when Titus awakens on the Besaid Sea and kicks a blitzball back at Waka and the Aurochs practicing on the shore. Yeah. You have to wonder what's going through his head. He's been through all these traumatic experiences in the midst of pl uh, playing a uh, sports game. This monster attack gets uh, ends up in a completely new place. It's conscripted uh, into by, by by strangers to to attack underwater monsters and and. Uh, go through underwater ruins. <laughs> One of whom tells him that the city he, that he claims to come from has been gone for like a thousand years. And then after all that, 
being cast back into the sea and waking up to see a blitz ball float by. What the fuck? Or as uh, so eloquently put, Nani the fuck? Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Titus, of course, does uh, what he does best, uh, sends a blitz ball back to the people on shore who are asking him to uh, for a little bit of help with it, using some of his star player moves and shocking them in the process. Yeah. Uh, nice little note. This is actually a livelier rearrangement of Titus's theme. Oh, it shows up in several points where Blitzball comes up. Uh, tournaments, uh, special events, uh, things like that. Yep. And then we get to the uh, main theme of the island we're on. Besaid. And I don't care who you are, this theme slaps. This is something we hear with a lot of the music uh, in FF10, where it starts with like a basic thing that's kind of built and layered upon. It's very synth wave style. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, with, uh, you know, Titus coming from the the dreams Anarchand, you know, in the future or past, depending on, you know, who's who you believe. Um, I mean, it's a Final Fantasy game. Having, like, an ancient ruined civilization is par for the course. You know, that, that's futuristic. It's just that you don't usually have the main character be someone coming from that. No. Exactly. But, uh, so, I mean, be because our main character comes from that area, a lot of the music is going to kind of carry that theme with it, too. And it just mm -hmm. kind of fits with how the, the whole game kind of plays, so. Yeah. Uh, I'll also mention one thing that comes up a lot in just a lot of the general design motifs. Uh, the setting on this one drew a lot of inspiration from the southern parts of Japan, uh, the island of Okinawa in particular. So a lot of those kind of like island motifs, uh, a lot of the artistic styles and like are really drawn from there. Gives it, uh, so even though we go to a lot of different locales through it, throughout it has a bit of that kind of like tropical island feel. Yeah, very, it, very South Pacific kind of feeling. Yeah. Gilligan's Island minus the uh, the coconut <laughs> radios. Though <laughs> so I wonder if they have coconut radios in Besaid. Well, as we'll find out, machines in general are something that are viewed with a lot of distrust. Yeah, Machina is definitely, you know, something <laughs> that is cursed or by most of the uh, inhabitants of Spira, and we'll find. Yeah. We have quite a few fish out of water moments. Titus uh, claiming, uh, having been told to claim since toxin has uh, affected his memory, uh, giving a convenient excuse to have it, things explained to him. But so finds out that an important religious gesture uh, was, in fact, the uh, once upon a time a major blitzball sign. Things like that. All sorts of little mo moments and points of contact that are memories of uh, where he came from, but in this really strange, twisted way. So he still feels some sense of connection to this world, but while maintaining that fish out of water status. The song we're listening to now is called Spira Unplugged. 
which I f thought was kind of fitting with the whole no machina. <laughs> <laughs> um, this plays when you first uh, get into uh, the village of Besaid, as well as uh, through the village of Kilika, and at uh, the Thunder Plains Travel Agency. Yeah. It's a nice little yeah. chill song that plays in safe areas. Yeah. Acoustic guitar using that uh, melody of Suteki Dane that again we'll get later on. Yes. This is one that I've hummed to myself while working from time to time. It's got like a little nice kind of like... Uh, not bossa nova, like there's like a couple genres that are like sort of more islandy type ones mm -hmm. that this really fits with. Yep, which is very nice and very fitting. But speaking on the entire that guitar, the, love it. That's really nice. But speaking on the whole religious uh, part of of the storyline, this is another major theme that plays a lot through this yeah. game. Yeah, this is one that will, another motif they'll be sampling heavily. Hymn of the Faith. This is the temple theme. So anytime you enter a temple, you are going to hear a revision of this song. Yeah, going from that chill island vibe to this, it again throws you off a little bit, unbalances you, reminds you that Oh, hey, this is a very strange and alien world. Like, when I started hearing this one as we went through places, oh, it's finished already. Yeah, right, that is short. a shorter clip of it. We'll hear longer versions of it. Yes. Uh, but I suddenly had a feeling of, oh dear, I am in a very important space. I need to not do anything wrong. Is it okay for me to talk to these people? Again, reflecting some of uh, Titus's unfamiliarity with the situation and recognition that there's something important here that people will be very mad at you if you mess up but not what it is our next song is called phantoms or in japanese it is called gensu Now, this will be the theme of Lake Makalania when we get there later in the game, but we hear it at this point because it plays during Titus's flashback of his mother and his life back in Xanarkand. Very mystical sounding, very... but also very relaxed and chill. Yeah, it definitely has a very chill vibe to it. That, given the context in which we hear it, the title Phantoms is, of course, interesting. Well, I mean, it makes sense, you know, because he's yeah. thinking back to uh, a time that no longer exists. Yeah. The idea is like, okay, this is a thousand years in the past and everyone involved is dead. Yeah, a long Which time he's still ago, not in, in a, uh, not in a galaxy far away, though. Yeah, like, he's still trying to figure out, is that a time that he'll be able to return to? You'll have to play the game to find out. Yeah. But at this point, there's some amount... <laughs> but yeah, at this point, there's still some amount of confusion about what exactly is going on. Is there hope of being able to return home? He's still just trying to get his footing while being carefully warned by uh, his companions that, hey, he needs to be a little bit uh, careful how he approaches this because, again, he is dabbling in important stuff. Yeah, because basically at this point, he is 
helping out to protect a summoner. Not yet. Well, he's not yet. They're trying to uh, figure so he has so at this point he has showed up in Besaid. uh waka's brought him in as this guy that he found on the beach who don't know who he is but he can kick a blitz ball and some That's stuff right. is going on yeah, at he, the- he goes into the 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 temple um just as, as a just to explore it real quick i think yeah like you can kind of it's like Walking into the town chapel and seeing, like, okay, this is where they hold services, but there's nothing going on there quite yet. But this next theme is generally not a uh, something that somebody who is not a guardian would hear. Because this yeah. is uh, the trials, or the theme for yeah. the cloister of trials. It's somewhere that only a summoner and her guardians can enter. Yeah, they are guardians. Titus, in this case, yeah. her. But. Titus, of course, uh, has just found out that there's a uh, found, finds out while he's in the temple that there's a summoner in there that they haven't come out in a while that there's concerns about it and showing the essential nature of who he is says, "Okay, screw the rules. I want to go in there and help out." Yep. So violating every religious stricture they have on the whole thing to the shock and horror of everyone assembled to which he I believe calls out like I care (laughs) very very Titus yeah he has a lot of ideas about what's right uh, about how things should be done he stands firmly for them at the same time not always being wholly self-aware about how that's going to be received by the people around him. He just kind of does what he thinks he needs to do. Which, in this case, ends up being the right thing. He finds uh, uh, the summoner and... Well, first he solves his way through a batch of puzzles. Yep. Yeah, you have to find your way through there, and then he gets to the end of it as the summoner is exiting very, very uh, weakened from her battle. Yeah. From her encounter, cloister, let's call it. The cloisters of trials usually involve a lot of puzzle solving. They're a bit of an interesting diversion. Uh, each one has an opportunity for bonus treasure if you uh, take some side paths and uh, do some extra stuff, or you can charge straight through. Uh, there actually are a couple very nice bonuses if you get all of the bonus treasure throughout the game. Which, who doesn't want 100% of Final Fantasy game, right? But you again got some of those like <laughs> mystical elements. You got there's some parts of it that actually vaguely remind me of FF7's Temple of the Ancients. Hmm. Yeah, I can kind of feel that. It's kind of got you know yeah. kind of a weird, I don't know what's going on vibe, but it's it seems pretty spoopy. Yeah, some of those are kind of like lower percussion. And as he gets to the end, yeah, those like big chimes there. This is another version of Hymn of the Faith, specifically for the summoner's first and newest summon, Veilfor. Yeah, we'll be hearing several variations of this throughout, the big variation being who is singing. We'll learn a little bit more about why that's significant later on. So this plays specifically in the Chamber of the Faith in Besaid. As, as when you get all the way through the end, 
when you're trying to, you know, basically get Vale 4 to join your cause. The summoners go on their pilgrimage throughout Spira in order to, you know, gain the favor of the faith, the different uh, aeons, the summons is what they are. They're, they're called um, aeons instead of summons in this. And uh, try to become strong enough to vanquish sin when he appears. Yeah. A fun side note on the hymn of the faith, uh, the words, uh, like the words of the song, are composed of uh, Japanese syllables, but they're arranged in a way that they don't form words. But if you take the words of it, you like kind of lay it out in an acrostic thing, and you read them in a different direction, you do get a set of lyrics that match the original melody. So there's kind of like a little hidden message set of lyrics in it. That's pretty intense. Yep. Uh, Apparently, the uh, writer wanted the Albed language to originally be like a full-on linguistic system rather than just a substitution cipher. Uh, they ended up not being able to do that in order to have the little translation collection thing work, but some of those initial plans that he had for Albed ended up being used to uh, compose that, uh, the words for the Hymn of the Faith. Very cool. Yep. And once Yuna is able to convince Veilfor to, to join her cause... You'll also recognize this from the very, very beginning title screen of the game. But this is called The Summoning, which plays up the title screen, as, like, as I said, as well as when Yuna first summons Veilfor. Yeah. It's a very, you know, special sound, a special moment, you know, when a, a summoner collects and is able to bring, up, bring about their first summon. Yeah, we are going to learn more about this as we progress through the pilgrimage, but summoning and summoners are extremely important in this society. I mean, in general, in, Final Fa in most Final Fantasy games, summoners are treated as special and significant in some way or another. You have Final Fantasy IV, where the false king of Baron wanted to destroy the village of summoners as a threat, and Final Fantasy Type-0 has an instance of summoning that I think is the quintessential example for why summoners should be feared i'll send you that link later it's a fascinating video yeah i think you've we've talked about that in the past yeah. but yeah this is one where summoners have an important role uh again given the religious strictures and the setup of this they have a very important role in that religion and so uh someone becoming a summoner is a major event yes like i think we meet three other summoners over the course of the entire game and every single one is treated as this is someone who is incredibly special and they're also kind of catty towards each other i think some of them are well one in particular which yeah. we'll talk one's about catty it. one's a little bit mixed on it and uh but and, but we have another one to deal with yes, and by deal with like deal with doesn't seem right she's too nice you know we have we have we are introduced Nebraska's daughter, a.k.a. Yuna, the summoner of Besaid. Yeah. This plays when, when Titus is first speaking with Yuna and, you know, trying, trying to understand what, what happened in, in, in the, the, the... He's the, just the charged in to rescue someone who seems to have come out okay. You've got that kind of plucked uh, melody of Suteki Dane in it. 
or at least some of the uh, bits of it. You know, I'm just realizing we didn't get as far in the story as I thought we would in the first disc. Well, some of these tunes will be reused later on. We'll yep. be hearing them again and again. But also, there is a lot of scene setting going on in this kind of first chapter of things. Definitely. And yeah. I think it, under that the be the beginning portion of the game has probably one of everybody's favorite scenes within Final Fantasy X. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> at some point, we're going to have a talk about that, but I don't think we'll be hitting that today. A talk about what? <laughs> about that? You know what you're doing. Doing what? But so with this one, we've got that kind. Of, we've got that kind of like dude. Like we've got that kind of doo -doo 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 that we've had before for stuff that has a little bit more again of like that kind of mystical, otherworldly quality to it. Because she is someone, Yuna is someone who wields these incredible powers. Like, he's kind of talking to this effectively, like, really great priestess. Mm -hmm. Who's kind the of regarded as a rock star. The other thing I want to point out is uh, the title of this, both in English, where it's called Braska's Daughter, and the Japanese one translates to Daughter of the High Summoner. Uh, for so many people, Yuna is seen not as her own person, but as a summoner or as the daughter of a high summoner. We know that a high summoner is someone who did something incredibly important. They're even rarer than summoners. And we do and learn that Braska was the last summoner to vanquish sin. Yeah, it's like the high summoner is a summoner who has defeated sin. But that's all we know so, about Braska at this point. So at this point, Yuna kind of doesn't really have her own identity yet, at least as far as uh, Titus and as a lot of other people are concerned. Like, she is a summoner. She is the daughter of the High Summoner, who is following in his footsteps. Bit of a heavy legacy to carry there. A little bit. Little bit. And then to end off disc one, Good night. Obviously, Good basic little in theme. Yep. Plays when party rests most often at Reen's travel agency. Yeah, we'll be finding Reen's travel agency scattered throughout the world. There are many branches of it. Oh, my. <laughs> what was even? <sighs> Is, what, what wasn't? Uh, I don't know if if. if George Takei was the actual voice of Rin, but it sounds a hell of a lot like him. Let me not. actually check that really fast. Which is why I brought that up, because it definitely has that same cadence, and I want to say it's possible. Um, let's see. Hang on, checking the database really fast. We want the English one. Um, oh, neat. Uh, oh, well, it looks exciting. like it was Tom Kenny. Okay. Definitely has the, the George Takei sound. <laughs> very, it was very it, it was very, very reminiscent, so I had to throw it out there. Come on. Okay, I was not quite sure what your connection was there. That's what it was, so. Anyway. And trying to see if he's done any other super memorable things. That, oh, he was the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants? Yeah. Well, there we go, then. So he's kind of a tall guy with, uh, with glasses. 
Uh, they sound nothing alike is the thing. Yeah, now I'm looking at his uh uh his IMDb. Hmm? His IMDb. Uh different site but similar type of thing. And oh, he's the Ice King in Adventure Time. <laughs> yeah, he's actually uh Tom Kenny's a hell of a uh um um of a voice Yeah, actor. he's got a good bit of range to him. Yeah. Definitely definitely one of the good ones, so but yeah, so we have at this point, uh, having met the summoner, being uh, yanked from his world into this strange one, being thrown through a lot of different things. This is not the first time that we've had in a Final Fantasy setting a ancient advanced civilization that fell to ruin where it's hundreds or thousand years later, where remnants of it are cropping up. We had like Aerith as the uh, last of the ancients from FF7. Hera. Uh, you've got, yeah, you've got some of the remains of uh, the uh, various uh, previous civilizations in FF8. Final Fantasy 1 had the Flying Fortress, where you find things like the War Mech and other stuff that suggests that this was also once an advanced uh, civilization. So that uh, element is not necessarily new. But having the main character coming from there and having kind of the entirety of the narrative be from the point of view of the person from the ancient world it's rather than different. the people in the modern world who are encountering it is a bit of a new take on it for the series and again they're really uh, lean hard allotted to that he doesn't know what's going on he's trying to uh, put stuff together missing a lot of the things that he's used to exactly yeah i mean there's a reason why this is such a highly regarded game and probably one of the best uh final fantasies on ps2 and in fact, I think it was fact, the first the only, Final Fantasy that was on PS2. And the, well, Final Fantasy 11 and 12 were on it, I guess. Yep. But let me see. Because 13 then was went it? on the uh, PS3. I'm checking when the actual release yeah. den launched. Yes. It, it, it was like 2000 is when this was released. Yeah. The PlayStation 2 uh, was introduced in uh, March of 2000 october of 2000 for europe and north america yep. and then final fantasy 10 was released 2001. about a year later yeah because the, the timing of the na release of the playstation 2 and um final fantasy 9 coincided because yeah. i remember i pre-ordered both and i got <laughs> both on the same day and my first ps2 game was a ps1 game <laughs> uh. But yeah, so that is the introduction to Final Fantasy X, at least via the original soundtrack. Yeah, at this point, we've met a couple of the other characters that we haven't really had themes for them. So we'll get into some more details and exploration of their music a little bit later on. Exactly. But right now, a lot of the focus is just on uh, Titus being yanked out of his world into this one, trying to get his feet under him, charging into unfamiliar situations and causing trouble, and encountering this like extremely important mystical person that he has warned that he should stay the hell away from not for his sake but for hers mm. she is very important she is a summoner she is the daughter of the high summoner and we'll be learning a bit more about just how significant a thing that is uh I think actually in the next few tracks, but that'll be for another time. Yes. So on that note, thankfully, we have a little short one today.
that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode. So if you, if you, if you liked what you heard, make sure to uh, like, subscribe, or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. You're on YouTube. We're on YouTube as well. If you want to check out some of the uh, the VODs, um, not just listen to it in an audio format. Especially last week's episode, I did finally get the video up for that. By the way, so you can go check out the YouTube channel and see our playback of uh, Chocobo GP. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. Um, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is, and if possible, leave us a rating and review. It lets us know how we're doing and uh, helps other people find our podcast. And if you really dig this show, you can subscribing here at twitch.tv slash Radio, where you get access to a number of subscriber-only emotes and badges. Um, or you can go out to patreon.com slash Radio, like our benevolent overlord, Aurori Fenrir, or our shadowy foreign investor, Tibian Saltz, um, and uh, support us in that way. Um, all proceeds go towards growing the show, cover things like hosting costs, allow us to improve and upgrade our equipment, as well as do some fun giveaways and have and have a good time with with you guys as well. Um, but any kind of support, whether it's uh, donations, subs, likes, tweets, retweets, whatever, we love all of it because we love interacting with you guys and the rest of the community. If you want to check out our backlog of episodes, you can go to our website, phoenixstarradio.com. If you have questions, suggestions, or just want to say hi, email us, podcast at phoenixdnradio.com. And you can hit us up on Twitter at phxdnradio. Sarah, do you have any shout-outs? Um, actually, you know what? I am going to go ahead and shout-out one of our library interns. Uh, we've got a batch of them who are learning how to do programming for children. One of them actually developed a program that we put on as the first in-person program I have done in a while today. So big shout-out to Juliana. You're almost certainly never going to hear this, <laughs> but you put... <laughs> You put together a music program that was really fun that the kids were actually pretty into. Uh, and like as your first go, it was really impressive. So I'll probably tell her this in person as well. But she did good. I, I want to give her a shout out for that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have to all be game related. I like to recognize people who are doing good stuff in all sorts of places. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FF14SER, that's F-F-X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R. Uh, you can also catch up with me on our Discord. Uh, a lot of Discords that have lore forums I will tend to hop in. Uh, I like answering questions. Uh, even with having to be in the office, I still manage to monitor Discord a fair bit. So just drop me a line. I'm always happy to chat about uh, Final Fantasy lore, uh, about interesting mythological tie-ins. Uh, I'm a librarian. All knowledge is eventually related. No, Let me talk your ear off with so much information. Okay, I am a librarian. <laughs> Let me talk your ear off so, so much there are so many things i want to talk about that i left out because they're not quite appropriate for a music discussion but oh my god i have so much to say about this like chili's lack of plates (laughs) we will make a non-terrible bachelor of you yet chili (sighs) all right or die trying probably that one yeah that one's more likely uh, and I want to throw a shout out to my tattoo artist, Andres. Dude, an amazing job on the dragon tattoo today. Um, like I said, check out the, the pictures channel in Discord. Um, and I think I put the uh, Phoenix tattoo in uh, random for some reason. So if you want to check out the, the pair of tattoos that, that this guy uh, 
did an amazing job on. If you're ever in my area, definitely check out uh, Relentless Inc. That's the uh, shop where I got these done. Um, definitely well worth the time. Amazing job. Brought him out a little bit out of his comfort zone to try something different, and he absolutely rocked it. So thank you very much for that amazing tattoo. Shout out to my sister, Pleb, and her friends who joined us at Anime Detour. Had an amazing time. Um, like I said, it was, it was fun to see um, their reactions to the this being their first convention and just having a good time. Connor and Logan, thank you so much for uh, joining us on that. It was a pleasure to have you around, hang out with you guys and, uh, and hang out. Um, also, shout out to um, Nick Nar and uh, his friend Stabs. I think that's what he goes by. <laughs> um, or that's what he went by on his badge. Um, they were also at, at Detour, and we had a good time. We all had uh, Pizza Luce on Saturday night as, as a group, which was really nice. Are they a ton buddy? Stabs? Stabs? No. Ton buddy stabs? No. Aww. No. But um Stabs. No, 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 not not that kind of stabs. Okay. That's um, fair. Yes. Also, because I forgot to do it at the beginning of the show, huge, huge shout out to our Patreon producers, Nick Nar, Tibiant, and Aurori. Sorry I forgot to do that at the beginning of the show, but you guys do deserve that for your ongoing support of, of Phoenix Town Radio. It is greatly appreciated so thank you for that um, we love you so much yes and uh definitely a shout out to sarah for joining on this episode again and uh hopefully you guys all enjoyed this as well and if you want to follow me out on twitter i am at phxd and underscore k-l-a-u-s-s i may post um my tattoos and some stuff from detour at this point um i wanted to kind of hold off on doing that until um things kind of settled down and i was able to kind of gather myself well, we'll post some of that stuff out there in, in a bit. You're damn well going to see my Red Mage cosplay when that shows up. So look yeah. for that. That's going to be fucking amazing. I'm so can't wait. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that, that's going to do it. Hope you guys had a good time. And like I said, we'll be jumping into more uh, music in the future episodes. So for my co-host, Sarah Timono, I'm Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for joining us here. And we'll catch you in the next one. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at YouTube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarWanker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at YouTube.com slash GuitarWanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.